you guys need to listen to all these radio stations. That's an old melody from the 70s, right? I think Hari Kish Maharaj made it up. Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naramchaeva Narottamam Devin Saraswati Vyasam Tatojayam Udirayet Nasta Prayesha Badeshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Tamasloke Bhaktiruvavati Naistiki So we're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam 4th Canto 6th chapter verse number 5. Sorry, I didn't put out the sign today. Do you have your phones to follow the verse? Four, six, five. Tadakarnya vibhu praha. I guess I'll sing it myself. Tajiyasi, kritagasi, kshemaya tatra sabhuyan, naprayena bhubutsatam. Oh, that was four, sorry. Atapiyuyam kritak, atapiyuyam kritakil vishabhavam. Atapi yuyam kritakil vishabhavam. Yebar hicho braga bajam paradu. Yebar hicho baga bajam paradu. Prasadayadvam parishuda chetasa. Prasadayatvam parishuda chetasa. Shipra prasadam pragritangri padman. Shipra prasadam pragritangri padman. Atapiyuyam kritakil vishabhavam Yebarhicho bhaga bhajam paradu Prasadayadvam parishuda chetasa Shipra prasadam pragritangripadmam Atapiyuyam kritakil vishabhavam Yabarhisho bhaga bhajam paradu Prasayadvam parishuda chetasa Shipra prasadam pragritangripadmam Tapi yuyam kritakil vishabhavan Yabarhisho bhagavajam paradu Salamitvam praisuda chetasa Shipra prasadam pragritangripadmam Atha api Still Yuyam All of you Krita Kilvisha, having committed offenses, Bhavam, Lord Shiva, Ye, all of you, 
Barhisha of the sacrifice. Bhagavajam entitled to a share. Paradu have excluded. Prasadayadvam all of you should satisfy. Parishudachetasa without mental reservations. Shipra prasadam quick mercy. Pragrita angri padmam his lotus feet having been taken shelter of. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. You have excluded Lord Shiva from taking part in the sacrificial results, and therefore you are all offenders at His lotus feet. Still, if you go without mental reservations and surrender unto Him and fall down at His lotus feet, He will be very pleased. Purport. Lord Shiva is also called Ashutosh. Ashu means very soon, and Tosha means to become satisfied. The demigods were advised to go to Lord Shiva and beg his pardon, and because he is very easily pleased, it was certain that their purpose would be served. Lord Brahma knew the mind of Lord Shiva very well, and he was confident that the demigods, who were offenders at his lotus feet, could mitigate their offenses by going to him and surrendering without offense. misdeed, from Latin offensus, annoyance, reinforced by French offense, from Latin offensa, a striking against a hurt or displeasure, based on Latin offendere, strike against. Uh, the definition of offense is a breach of a law or rule, an illegal act. Like an example, neither offense violates any federal law. There, but um, there should be some contrition. There should be some change of heart, not just. Although, actually, to be to be fair, to be fair to our own Bhagavatam, in the first canto, there is a few um, few points where first first uh, the first quote I can remember is from. Uh, Draupadi being insulted. Um, Draupadi's hair was touched by Vishasana. I don't know about the story of the sari, that is kind of controversial, but it's true that he touched her hair and she fell at the feet of Lord Krishna and Lord Krishna said, don't worry, um, all your, as your hair is loose, because he didn't just touch it, just loosen it up. And he said, as that offense, I, I, I will take it very personally, and all the hairs of all the Dusasana's wives, plus all the kurus, are gonna be loosened. It means their husbands are gonna be killed. This is, this is what happened. When somebody died in the, at that time, uh, the widows just, no longer care because a woman's supposed to decorate herself for her husband, not, not for other men. So when their the husband is not there, they just look disheveled or their hair is loose. So this, there you go. This is what you get for just touching Draupadi's hair, pure devotee. And how do you counteract some of the offense? Bow down before a saint at once must undergo fasting for the day in order to neutralize the great offense. So there you have one, uh, one way to somewhat neutralize an offense is to bow down. And if you don't bow down, you should fast. But these are all kind of technical things to do. Uh, the best thing is not to commit offenses, obviously. And how can you control your mind? in order not to commit offenses. I was thinking that, um, because I, I don't know if you do it, but I, I do ask every, every day uh, to Radha Govinda to forgive my offenses. And I ask all Vaishnavas and Radha Govinda to forgive my offenses. But I was thinking, am I also forgiving people's offenses to what I perceive are offenses to me, 
Am I doing that? Or it's just that I am, it's just a one-way street that I, I'm just asking for forgiveness, but you know, anybody who offends me, no, it's not forgiven. Um, I think it's pertinent for us to consider that other people may be in, I, I think in the Bible, I think the Old Testament, it says, forgive, forgive the sinners, I can remember, forgive our, forgive the trespassers, just like you forgive, forgive us, right? There you go. So this is, that's the idea, that we not only ask for forgiveness, but we actually try to use it for others who trespass in, in that sense, morally, ethically, intellectually, uh, or psychologically, or even physically. Um, just, like, uh, just like the bull in Maharaj Pariksit story where Kali was beating the bull, and Parikshit Maharaj asked, who was it? Because that's the, that's the duty of a king, to punish the sinful. And one of the duties, besides protecting the citizens, now that elections are coming, let's see how the new king does. And this, um, the bull didn't want anything to do with that. He said, no, no, it's, there's no perpetrator here, uh, and there is no victims either. I, I got what I deserved, and nobody did it by myself. So this is, this is how you can forgive others about offenses to you. Maybe, oh, this person is offending me. Um, well, you can also say, this person is my ticket back to Godhead, which is the same thing. Because if you understand that no one is offending you, you're, you're just an, an offender yourself, and somehow or other you get just slight reactions for that, and then you should be happy that it's just slight, that you get away with a lot of stuff that you shouldn't get away. And what is the nature of a devotee who is offended? Well, the devotee should be magnanimous. Magnanimous. So let's, let's go back to the Oxford Dictionary for this. Magnanimous, generous or forgiving, especially towards a rival or less powerful person. She should be magnanimous in victory. So let's see the, the definition. Is it from late mid-English? No, this is it's from a mid-16th century, from Latin, magnanimous, from magnus, means great, and animus means soul. So, it's a great soul. So that's, in order to be magnanimous, you have to become a great soul. Um, what are the synonyms for magnanimous? Charitable, benevolent, beneficent, open-handed, big-hearted, great-hearted, munificent, bountiful, liberal, handsome, princely, altruistic, kind, kindly, philanthropic, forgiving, etc., etc. So this is who is the most magnanimous uh, of all incarnations, actually, Lord Chaitanya, right? Yeah. Namo Mahabadanyaya. Enough to learn a language. I maybe learn 10 term words total because my, my brain doesn't have a capacity to you know, digest anymore. That, that just too, too many books. So we may think our heart is yeah, ready to go and ready to learn new skills, such as being humble and tolerant and forgiving and et cetera, et cetera, and merciful and munificent, but not quite like that because there's too much stuff in there and there's no room for certain things. And the false ego is always ready to intervene and flare up and say, no, you are, and identify with things that is not you. Like, um, when people say, um, when someone said, tells you, uh, well, you should change, or you tell yourself, I, I should change, I should become you know, more generous, or more forgiving, or more humble, or more this, or more that. And there may not be much room. You have to get rid of something in order to make room. And if you wanna be, if you want to get rid of, uh, if you want to be, become humble, you have to get rid of pride. 
and it's very difficult because it's been there, you know, has created roots and it go goes for a long, long way. So how do you get rid of pride? <coughs> well, poverty and infamy is a good recipe to get rid of pride because there is no, no cure for pride like poverty or, or, or infamy. If you actually, you're famous and the next day you, nobody gives a damn about you. So this is, a, this is a good recipe. But who wants to take that kind of medicine? And it's not sugar-coated. In Krishna consciousness, um, the only sugar-coating that we have is the holy name. Because the great equalizer is the, is the only thing that balances everything and it's not painful. Um, other processes, like they have, uh, there are monks in many different institutions where they actually are searching for the same result. They want to become humble and tolerant and merciful and uh, equal to everyone and spiritually minded and detached and all these things. But because they don't have the holy name, I mean, they do have it, but they don't use it appropriately, then uh, they have a very hard time. So we have this fabulous medicine that Lord Chaitanya has given us, the most munificent incarnation, to get rid of all these, all which is troublesome to the heart. As the Bhagavatam says, anything that is troublesome to the heart will be eliminated by regular recitation and hearing of Srimad Bhagavatam. So we have this, so we can make quick advancement, but it requires effort too. It's not like uh, you rest on your laurels or you were uh, a good devotee in the 70s or in the 80s and, or in the 90s, and now you know, there's plenty of fumes and vapors to live off. Uh, this, is, this is a mistake because Krishna consciousness is not a straight path, uh, is upwards and there is no notches that you can actually put your foot on like when people do uh, climbing, you know, rock climbing, that they always find some little ledge, some little somewhere where to put their fingers or their foot. Um, in Krishna consciousness, uh, you, you can go up as far as you want. You can go up all the way to Goloka Vrindavan, but there's no notches where you can rest because you will slide down. And this is what offenses do. They actually uh, remove the safety belt and you just slide down and you go, you, you lose everything. You lose everything. All the benedictions that you've gotten, all the piety that you accrued, everything. You may have been chanting for you know, decades you may have been practicing devotional service and distributed a lot of books. You may have done, uh, given so many lectures and led so many kirtans and made so many devotees, but you can't ride on anybody's back. This, this may be proven to be amount to nothing eventually. I mean, obviously, whatever you accrue spiritually, you will recover, but it may take a long time for you to cash that check. It will, it will become a frozen account. And that's, that's horrible. I, coming from South America, I've seen how they, they have done this. They, they call it the, the little corral. Corral, like a, like a horse corral. Uh, the banks all of a sudden froze everybody's money. And for, for months or a year, nobody could take any money out of the bank. So this is, uh, the money is there, uh, but not, you can't touch it. So this is, this is what happens when you commit offenses. There is, Krishna creates a corral around your bhakti account and you can't touch it. You will have to just suffer and start from scratch, basically, until you get rid of all these misgivings and offenses. This is, this is the result of committing offenses. So we should, yeah, whatever it takes, bow down, become humble, uh, fast, Whatever, whatever it takes, because the, the result is worth it. Because our life depends on us being offenseless. And when you actually become offenseless, 
then you can actually have a, a taste of Krishna consciousness. Not before that. You have a taste of Krishna consciousness. Right now, it's, we're kind of licking the jar of honey from the outside and getting a few drips that, you know, somebody put the lid all wrong and you know, there's some honey on the, still on the outside. So you can, you can get a little bit of taste. But the real taste is inside the jar. So we have to stop attempting to stretch our tongue and try to reach the, the places we haven't been to. Because this is uh, Prahlad Maharaj defines it as charvita charvananam, chewing the chew. This is uh, like sugarcane. I, I don't know if you ever had fresh sugarcane juice. I'm sure being from Trinidad, you have it everywhere. Yeah. And India and Brazil, any, any tropical place. So you see that they put, they put the sugarcane to the, to the press, to those, uh, what do you call the gears, and uh, the press extracts everything, and then they bend it in half, and then they put it again, and just a little more juice comes. And, and in India, they usually bend it a third time, see if they can get one or two more drops out of, out of it. So, and we, and we are worse. We put it like 10 times, see if, if there is any juice left. There is material life that appears to be, oh, but I miss this, I miss that. So some, some devotees, are, you know, they have an incredible amount of piety accrued, so they come to the movement. They have experienced all the, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll in their previous lives, so they don't have much to do with that. But many of us have, uh, have still hope that I can, we can enjoy materially. There is something to be enjoyed, whether it's physically or mentally or intellectually or emotionally, that there is something left in the material world. The material world has something to offer that we really want or we really need. But really there is nothing. There is nothing. It's just a perverted reflection, just like a dream. And in a dream, you may be swimming in, in, in a, a river of gold with mango flavor, but when you wake up, you have a terrible taste in your mouth and you have to scrape your tongue and brush your teeth. This is, that's, that's the result. Um, I'm gonna stop here. I, I had a dream a couple of nights ago, whereas we had a, we had a refresh and the team bonding exercise was to tell a prayer. What would be your prayer? Uh, what would be, the, uh, not a prayer, benediction. What benediction would you ask for? And I said, well, uh, the benediction that I would like is that for all of you to get prema bhakti immediately. And uh, and I felt completely ecstatic, and I actually woke up ecstatic. So it was a, it was a kind of a transpose from a dream into into reality. Yeah. It was a dream. I mean, if you ask me when I'm awake, I probably ask for something for myself, not for anybody else. But but it was wonderful to experience what it would be like to be selfless, to just ask. And I, I didn't ask for myself. I said, I I ask for all of you to get Prem Bhakti immediately. So this is, uh, but this is actually not a dream. This is this is what Krishna wants, and this is Krishna says this in the Gita that the most dear to him is the devotee who asks for mercy for others. Those who bring the, the lost souls back to him. So this is, this is a dream that we should realize and, and see everybody as a devotee or a potential devotee and us as an assistant, as someone who actually needs to um, bring everybody back in order to go back oneself. You see, you can't just barge into the kingdom of God. You have to actually bring some proof that you are worthy. So the best way to do it is to bring others first, just, just like the gopis do. They, they don't want to serve Krishna directly. They, they prefer to send someone else because they think, oh, this person is more qualified than me. I should be doing the service directly to Krishna and not myself. All right. 
Any comments, questions, and uh, reflections, realizations, uh, or blessings that we may have? Nothing? Maranidra? So I was thinking when uh, uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj, he was sometimes serving in India, and then he wanted to go back and be on the Radha Dhamadar party and preach in the States. Anyway, times he wanted to um, leave his service in India, and Prabhupada was, you know, reluctant because he was so effective as a manager. And so at one point, he, he goes back to the States joins up with Vishnu um, John on the party. And, uh, and then when Prabhupada comes back to the States, uh, he meets up with uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj and all the bhaktas that he and Vishnu John had made. And so they, they, all the bhaktas came with, you know, saffron, I, I guess, and a shaved head and a, a rose or something mm -hmm. to present to Prabhupada. And Pleased. This was what really pleased him that there were so many that he was bringing um, to Krishna consciousness, even though they wanted to get the whole India situation. But that was what really convinced Prabhupada, okay, this is, this is good. And he really pleased with that. So I was just thinking of your, what you were saying. Thank you. There was uh, also. Um, Harikesh Swami, he was, uh, the GVC at the time were, were taking two months out of their schedule every year, every other year to, to become Prabhupada's secretary. And, and uh, when Harikesh came to be Prabhupada's secretary, Prabhupada didn't give him practically any service. He was just, uh, yeah, nothing to type, nothing to preach, nothing to convey, not, not even cooking, his servant was doing the cooking, so Harikesh was going crazy. And, and uh, <laughs> Prabhupada said, you're, you're wasting your time here. You should be go, should, but he wanted to serve Prabhupada directly, but Prabhupada said, you don't understand, this is what I want, that you actually serve me by preaching, by making the guru. So eventually he left before these two months were, were over, and <coughs> this is real service, real services, and, and Yamuna, of, of all, she understood it first, I think, because she, she started considering that Prabhupada is going to leave, he's, he's any time, he, he can leave tomorrow, he can leave in 10 years, but he, he will leave, so she started developing this Vipralamba Seva, that service in separation, serving Devani, the instruction of Srila Prabhupada. So this is, this is a Vani movement, not a Rapu movement. We are here today, gone tomorrow, but the instruction, the mission of Srila Prabhupada will prevail and will stay, and we should serve the mission first. So what's, what's important for the mission? Not what's important for us, you know, now, you can, there were people that were uh, traveling with Prabhupada, sitting next to them, rubbing elbows, and Prabhupada was thinking of someone else that was you know, preaching in China or going to the Soviet bloc, you know, East Germany, and trying to distribute books uh, in terrible conditions where the, the penalty for uh, being caught was death. That's what Prabhupada, that's how you become close to Prabhupada, that's how you become a good servant of Krishna, by doing what Krishna wants. Because we have certain tendencies and we have certain culture and we have certain values and idiosyncrasies and so on, and we can use them for serving Krishna, but seldom that is what Krishna wants us to do for him. 
usually we we confuse you know yeah I'm doing this for Krishna but is that what Krishna wants you to do for him or is something else Krishna wants you to become Srinadapi, Sunichana, Tarurapi, Sahishmana, Amanina, Manavena, Kirtaniya, Sadahari. How much progress have you made? How long have you been chanting Hare Krishna? And how much progress have you made in that department? That you're actually uh, above ignominy. You're above uh, frustration and the desire for fame and adoration and distinction and power. Some people are very attached to power, but they say we should command power, not demand it. So this is, this is what you should aspire for, to become a humble servant. Because we are really insignificant, really insignificant, very, very, very tiny, and now we have given the opportunity to live in illusion thinking that we are great. This is our fault. Krishna created a whole sandbox for us called the material world where you can believe whatever you want. You can believe you're God. Krishna will let you do that. But how much pleasure have you gotten out of that? Aren't you tired of doing the same thing? And Krishna's calling, just like if you're playing in a, in a sandbox and you know, your mother is calling you for lunch. You know. How involved are you in your game that you, you're not listening, that you, you have to take nourishment, real food? So let's shed this layer of illusion that keeps us bound to the material world, life after life. And, and we become lazy too. We say, well, and this is what they extracted in the Council of Nicaea in 319. Constantine didn't want anything about reincarnation because it will make people lazy. They will think, uh, well, if the soul is eternal and I have another life, then I don't have to finish in this lifetime. I can do it next time. So are we becoming lazy, complacent, because we we know that if we don't make it this time around, we'll do it the next time. So are we trying to go back to God at this time or we are postponing it for when, you know, we feel a little more inclined next time around now because, you know, I'm, yeah, I've done enough. I think I'm going back to God now. Don't think like that. This is, this is a dangerous mentality to become complacent, to become lazy. We haven't done enough. We, we have to actually finish in one lifetime. Prabhupada said, just why don't you dedicate one lifetime to Krishna consciousness? But seriously, not that just, you know, you're always there for, for the morning program or you always chant your rounds. That's, that's sadhana bhakti. You know, how is your heart developing along with sadhana? All right, sorry, I went, went on too long there. Prabhu. Yeah, we, we usually think, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. But, but when things go well for you, you don't think, I don't deserve this. You think, I, I do deserve this. So we should be equal. If you deserve things when they go well, then you deserve things when they, things don't go well for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking that. 
Um, well, I think that if we are doing the right thing, we should give up that mentality. Uh, you know, somebody is offending us, uh, offending me. Um, just like uh, grudges, we feel we hold grudges against someone or feel resentment. Oh, this person did this to me. Like I had in my history in Krishna consciousness, I had. Uh, I had some authorities. Uh, eventually, I, my guru understood that I, I couldn't work very well under anybody, so he just made me in charge of projects, you know, to start my own project and stuff like that. But I work under, uh, you know, very senior devotees, sannyasis, etc., etc. And I, I knew I was um, holding grudges, particularly against one sannyasi. I work under for a year and a half. And I consciously, I knew that that was harming me. And uh, so I decided consciously, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna forgive him. I need to forgive him uh, for his sake, for my sake, for everybody's sake, and, and move on and not hold grudges. But well, one thing is the theory about this. And another thing is actually to do it. So even after, it must have been 25 years that I decided I, I can't hold grudges. This is not good for my Krishna consciousness. Uh, if I think of that person, I still have come out, like, I get, I get tense about it. I think, you know, but he, he did this to me. You know, I'm still holding on to the idea that it wasn't, I think, uh, I think the best part of it is that I, I made a lot of progress while I was working under him because I had to tolerate a lot more than I would in, a normal, in normal circumstances. If you work in, a, in an environment where everybody's friendly and happy and um, helpful and so on, uh, how do you develop tolerance in that kind of environment? How do, you, how, how do you develop humility if everybody thinks you're great? It's, it's literally impossible. So I think in the, in the departments that I needed most help, I made the most advancement when I was working under this person. And I still have, a, unfortunately, I still have like the tail of, of this desire to, you know, to harm him or to just to feel ill toward him, which is, which is harmful. This is only harming me. So I, just like, just like I began today, I said, when I am asking Radha Govinda and the Vaishnavas to forgive me, I first have to learn how to forgive everybody else. So it is an offense to be offended, yeah, I think it's not, uh, how do you say, uh, an offense that you may uh, suffer consequences from except for the psychological and spiritual da uh, damage. So uh, that's, that in, in itself is enough to give it up because it's, it's a horrible thing. It's like when you are overweight, let's say you're overweight by 50 pounds. And you just live your life, like you regularly do. But then um, you go on a diet or you fast or whatever you do, and something happens or you get you know, a disease and you have to, you're forced to be in bed and not eat anything. So all of a sudden you lose those 50 pounds and then you realize, oh my God, I can go up the stairs without completely you know, being out of breath. And I, I feel so much better. 
but while you carry it, it's normal to you. So I, right now we are carrying loads, loads of things that we don't need. And they're heavy and they're harmful and they're damaging. They're making, they're definitely harming your spine and you don't feel it. No, you're immune because you've been doing it for so long. So we, uh, we have to actually trust the Acharyas and see that by losing all this stuff, you're going to actually become a, a true person, much more than what you think you are right now. That you say, well, leave me alone, that's how I am. Yes, yes, we have, we should have a clinic of spiritual weight loss. Come and lose 50 pounds of uh, pride at the Hare Krishna temple. Anything else? It's 9.02. Sati, concluding words. Thank you. That's sweet. Well, just remember that time heals. And if that does time kills. So the person who offended you will die of natural old age. So it's not, nothing will last too long anyway. So either way, you have to be tolerant. I'm quoting Krishna. Time I am. Destroyer of all worlds. All right. Thank you. All glory to Shri Prabhupada.